of the message this morning is this, how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Now, some of the, I don't know at what age you would remember this commercial, but there were some commercials on TV for a while. Um, a, a life, life, what was it, Gina? Life, life alert. I've fallen and I can't get up. I was going to put a picture of that up, but I couldn't find a picture I thought was appropriate. It was all like, that's so callous, so I wouldn't do that. But I've fallen and I can't get up. You've heard that, that saying, and so life alert. You know, you fall and you, you're hurt, so you push that button and that sends help. Look, we're going to look at this idea this morning. Sometimes we get down. Now, how do we get back up? How do we get back up? And we're going to learn some things from David's life this morning that will help us. So maybe this morning's message can provide you with some help in understanding why and some tools to get up and get out of that. Okay. Now, that verse, verse 6 there, it continues. It doesn't end where I stopped. It says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his son and his daughters. His sons and his daughters. But David strengthened, or David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is how David encouraged himself in the Lord, which will help us then to understand how we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. First thing we're going to look at is this. We're going to look at David's distress. Now, I hope you have the handout. You can follow along in the, line, in the outline there. At the very least, you'll understand where I'm at, and you'll know time-wise Boy, he's just on number one. So here we go. David's distress. You got to understand what's going on right now at this point in David's life. David is on the run. He's on the run from Saul. Saul is trying to kill him. He has pursued him, and, and he's on the run. He goes, and, and he joins in with the Philistines. Now, remember, the Philistines are the enemies of God. So David not only is, is on the run, but he's now joined up with this Philistine group, and he he he. he, he they're fighting and they're about to go fight. The Philistines are about to go fight Israel. And David gets run off. The Philistines won't even let him fight for them then. They, and wisely, because David, I very well believe, he would have turned on the Philistines as they fought against Israel. He would have fought with Israel against them. So they wisely sent him away. Um, so when he leaves, he and his men, they return. They return to their temporary home at Ziklag. And when they get there, they find that their wives and children have been taken captive. Now, they don't know who's taking them captive, but they know there's not bodies laying there. There's not, they're not finding blood everywhere, so they know that they've not been killed, or at least they haven't been killed yet, but they have been taken captive. And so the men and David, their, their children are gone, their family, their wives are gone, all of this. Everyone's been taken away. And so now you can understand the situation that David is in, and you can understand the distress the people are feeling, and why maybe now that is what you do, right? You turn on the leader. So David's the leader. He's brought us here. It's his fault this stuff's happened. And uh, all their possessions were taken. I mean, when they came and took the people, they looted them. They took everything that was of any value, all of their, their flocks, all of everything. Everything was of value. They took it. So they don't have anything. And then here David is in his distress. He's grieving for his wives. He's grieving for his family. He's grieving for friends that have been taken away. He's grieving for his his fellow soldiers, these men that are following him, whose families have been saying, he's grieving this. And now all this, the, the, the last thing is his friends, this army, they're turning on him and they're talking about stoning him. So you can understand why David at this point is distressed. 
That, that might even be a mild word to capture what David is feeling. He is full of anxiety and sorrow and pain. All of that has come upon him. Now, when you read that part of the story, when you understand what the context of what has just happened there in the first part of chapter 30, then, then you, you understand. It sounds a little bit like Job, doesn't it? In fact, it sounds a little bit like you, you've lost everything in a day. You just lose everything. All your kids are gone. The, 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 your flocks are gone. Everything that you have, you've lost it. It sounds a little bit like him. Now, when we face days like this, and folks, let me just encourage you. I'm encouraging you here. You're going to face days like that. Well, preacher, that's not very good encouragement. Well, it's going to help you if you know it's coming and be on the lookout for it. Don't be surprised because we're all going to face, if you haven't already, fact is you have already and you will again face these distressing days. And um, um, when you face those days, it can go one of two ways. You know, we can respond like Saul did. And Saul was, what a weak man of character. And anytime something went wrong with Saul, Saul went into deep, deep, deep depression. And, and it, so you, you, deep depression, despair, and, and, and distress, and all of these things, Paul, Saul would go that way. Or you can respond like David did, and we can turn to the one true help, and that's the Lord our God. See, what I think happened here in verse 6, it's almost like David is snapped back into reality. And, and he understands that he has not been in the Lord's will. Okay? Now, understand at this point, this is long before he's committed adultery. This is long before he's conspired to commit murder. And you go, is David really? Is he, is he outside of God's will? Absolutely. He has been out of God's will, and he realizes that he's been act, acting outside of God's will, and he's been walking in his own wisdom and therefore walking in sin. Folks, when we take our own wisdom, when we walk according to our own wisdom, we're walking in sin. We should seek the Lord's direction and guidance in every area of our life. And this goes all the way back to earlier here in 1 Samuel. If you'll, you'll go back and I encourage you to go back and read through, skim through some of this and follow the path of David here. But what happens is he fled from Saul and he fled from his homeland out of fear, not out of faith. He didn't have a word from God to tell him to, to leave there. He didn't have a word from God to tell him to leave and to flee and to run. He had no guidance from the Lord. He had no instruction from the Lord. He had not a single word from God on this. fact is he didn't seek God's guidance on it. He didn't ask the Lord, Lord, what should I do here? Saul seeks my life. What should I do? Folks, let me encourage you. We should always seek God in every decision we make in life. I've heard people that get, get uh, and you know, some would say, oh, boy, they're just super spiritual. They, you know, they pray about where they ought to eat lunch today. Well, I'd rather, I'd rather venture on that side than I had just going, you know, I'm going to do everything. I'm, I'm smart enough, and if I get in trouble, then I'll call on God. I'd rather seek him to start with. And we go back and we look in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 30, 42. It's the last verse there in 1 Samuel 20. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, since we have both sworn... In the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. The first verse of chapter 21, now David came to Nod. David has gone on the run. We don't see anywhere there where he has sought God's guidance and direction and sought him for instruction. 
And so David goes to Nod. He goes to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David, here still in verse 1, and said to him, why are you alone and no one is with you? And, and, and so he didn't seek for instruction or guidance or anything. He goes on the run. He comes to Nod. And we go back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. That's how we're to live our lives, folks. If you don't have a favorite verse in scripture, you don't have something you lean on, that's a good one right there to lean on. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways acknowledge him. Keep your thoughts on him, your mind on him, your actions on him. And then he will, he can then, and he will direct your path. See, David made his own decisions, and uh, he's used his own wisdom, and he's used his own judgment, and now he comes here to Ahimelech, and he lies to him. He lies to the priest of God. He he lies about why he's there, and, and, and he gets help and stuff, but he lies. And then he leaves from there, and men begin to join him, and he leaves from there, and he goes, and he actually joins forces with the very enemies of Israel. He goes and joins up with the Philistines. When he goes, and and these are his enemies, it's Israel's enemies. And he goes to this man Achish, and and, and so he ends up fighting. Now what he does is he, 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 he goes out during the day. He'll go out, he and his men will go out and they make war. And they're warring against the allies of the Philistines. So he's still fighting against the enemies of God. He's still fighting against the enemies of Israel. And then he comes back and he lies to Achish. Achish says, hey, where have you been? He said, boy, I've been out fighting those Israelis. And he made like those were his enemies. And so Achish believes him and and believes that he's stirring up trouble. And we find out that some of the people that he's claiming to be fighting with are actually fighting. They're actually, there's trouble going on. And they're the ones that are out stirring up this trouble with Israel. So it looks like maybe David's actually doing that. But it's this, these Amalekites. And so now they're seeking some revenge because there's some fighting going on there. And they're going to end up being the ones. So we get all this trouble where Saul, way, way back, Saul should have taken care of the Amalekites. Saul didn't. You know, when, you don't, when you're not obedient to God, the problems are going to find you. When he tells you to take care of something, take care of it. He tells you to do something, do it. Whatever he instructs us to do, we do it because it's going to be a problem down the line. So Saul's disobedience in that situation brought trouble on David. But David's own, here he is, he's lying, he's banned up with the enemies, and he's, he's making this trouble with the Amalekites. He's going in and fighting with them. And the Amalekites are the ones who are actually going to come in and raid. But David doesn't know that. He doesn't know that initially. But he, so he's doing this line. He killed women and children. So David's got a lot of things going on in his life. He thinks he's doing good. Now, I'd say he's, he's still doing good. He's fighting the enemies of God. So I'm, I'm out there doing God's work. He's living in his own wisdom, walking by his own discretion and his own judgment, and he's telling himself all is good because I'm still fighting the enemies of God. I'm I'm still teaching a Sunday school class. I still show up on Sunday morning sometimes. I'm I'm doing the right things. But but he's killing women and children. He's lying. You can just see in his life there are problems that have come by getting away from the Lord. And he finds himself in a horrible situation. And and to be perfectly honest, the situation David is in, it's his problem. It's his own fault. It's his own making. 
That's where we find David. Now, we do the same thing. We get away from the Lord, and, and we get away from his word. And so there's a lack of prayer. There's a lack of fellowship with God. We get away from his people. So there's a lack of godly fellowship and encouragement in our life. We get away from his house. Folks, that's flat-out disobedience. We get away from, from his house. We, we make decisions without guidance or direction or leading from his word. We get, here's the word, and, and you know, if you go back and you study Israel, and, and we would talk about Israel and how stiff-necked and stubborn and self-righteous and self-dependent they were, and you know what I go, mm, that's me. That's us. We're the same way. We're stiff-necked. We're stubborn. We're proud. And you know what, God? I got this. I, I, when I need you, I'll call on you. But I, but I got this. And we do, that's what David did. Didn't just blatantly do that, but in essence, that's what he did. Because cause I'm I, don't, I don't need you right now. I got it. I got it, Lord. We're good. And that's not how we should act. And down the road, we... Like David, we find ourselves in a big mess. And we find ourselves distressed and depressed. And we find ourselves blue and down and struggling emotionally uh, with problems in our life. Folks, what I'm saying here is a great number of our problems emotionally are sin problems. They are. You, you get away from the Word of God for a little bit. If you're used to reading the Word, and the, it encourages us when we read the, the Scriptures. It encourages David, Susan, are y'all seeing, have y'all had a pickup this year, been a boost of Bible adrenaline? Because they've been reading through the Scriptures this year. They've made a very intentional um, effort to go, we're going to read every day, we're going to go through the Scriptures. And when you do that, you're gonna, it's a shot of Bible adrenaline. But you get away from the Word of God. Cliff, you ever, you do travels, and I'm asking you to confess some things here, but as you get away in travels, you ever miss a day or two of, of reading your Bible? Never? Have you ever missed a day or two, Cliff? He's so perfect. Okay. Before that, you might have missed some days, right? Could you, can, you, can you remember that where the time you get away from and you miss it? And you know what? You, you get down. You go, man, I, just, I don't have that joy today. I'm, I'm, I gotta, I'm, I'm down. I'm struggling a little bit. You know what, folks? Because the Holy Spirit of God, if you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit of God is indwelling you. And when we get away from him, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. How can we think we can do those things and not be grieved in our spirit? And it comes out in ways where we're down, we're blue, we're distressed, we're discouraged. We face these things and we go, I don't know what it is, but I promise you, we're going to see some things that you can do that will help you get up. We may not be in great sin. David wasn't in great sin. We think of David's sin when he, when he has, has the, commits adultery with Bathsheba. I was about to say he had an affair. He didn't have an affair. Affair is a fun thing, right? He didn't have affair. We've, we've changed these words today to make, to, to make it sound like, well, that's really not that bad. He committed sexual sin. He committed adultery. And then he plots to kill Bathsheba's husband, conspires to have him killed, and he is killed. So we see great sin in David's life there, and we go, oh, this really wasn't that bad. No, this was really bad. It just doesn't seem like it's really bad. You know, it's, it, it's not some great big sin that we would point out, but he still, he, 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 we have still uh, been doing some, some good things, and that's where we get to. David is still doing some good things. 
You know, we get the same place in our life. We get to that place where it may not be a huge sin, and we're still doing some good things. But we're still walking in our own wisdom, in our own judgment. We've gotten away from the Lord. And we may be like David here, walking at a guilty distance from God. You know, we get up close to God. Oh, man, then it's, then it's kind of convicting. And, man, I don't like that feeling, so maybe I get a little further away from God. We've got to get in that right fellowship with Him. And when we haven't been in right fellowship with God, it shows and we feel it. We feel it. I've, I've shared with you, you know, get up in the morning, you have prayer time, and, and you spend some time in the Word, and you go get on I-4. You, you can handle it better if you've been in the Word. You get up in the morning, rush out of the house, and I don't care how much coffee you drink. Uh, if you ain't been in the Word, and you ain't spent some time talking to God, and you get on I-4, you might not be handling things. You, your testimony might not be great. So it, it, it's so easy. It makes such a difference. It shows and we feel it. And look, when we, when we get away from the Lord, it brings problems in our life. David comes to himself. I think about the prodigal son where he's, he's there in the pigsty and he's eating what they feed the pigs. And the scripture says that, that he came to himself. You know, it's almost like he woke up from, whoa, what's going on? This situation here, it got David's attention. When, when his men are now plotting to kill him, David's going, well, why are y'all? He starts to evaluate. He looks. He's going, man, this is my fault. I've done this. I've brought this on us because I have not sought the Lord. I'm supposed to be the leader here, and I have not sought the Lord in this situation. So David comes to himself, and he realizes his utter hopelessness, and he turns to his only true help. Point number two here, David's source of encouragement and strength. Number one, David remembers, uh, remembered the Lord. David remembered the Lord. Verse 7 and 8, uh, just, we see this. And then David at, uh, said to uh, Abithar the priest, Ahimelech's son. Now remember, you, you, I haven't mentioned this, but Ahimelech was killed. Saul killed Ahimelech because he helped David. He didn't know David, what was going on with David. In fact, David lied to him, and as a result of that, Ahimelech was killed. So David's, David's minor little sin has ended up in Ahimelech, a priest, being murdered. Because he, Saul just assumed he's helping, he's helping David. He's on his side. So David said to Abithar, the, the priest, he says, uh, that's Ahimelech's son, please bring me the ephod, bring the ephod here to me. And Abithar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord. What we find right here, we see that David remembered the Lord. David's been doing everything on his own. He's been thinking about David. He's been thinking about what David wants. He's been, woe is me. I'm getting chased by Saul. Saul's going to kill me. I need to do this. I need to do that. And he's doing his own thing. And right here, we see a change. We see his mind come back to the Lord. He comes to himself and, and his mind and his thoughts and his attention turn back to God. Psalm, and, and let's look at some of the things he might have thought. We look at the Psalms, we see things David has said. Psalm 18, 1 through 6, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my, my, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The pangs of death surround me and the floods of un ungodliness make me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surround me. The snares of death uh, confronted me. 
In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him, even to his ears. We see right there his mind. These are the things David might have thought. Psalm 25, 1 and 2. To you, O God, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Psalm 41 and 2. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Psalm 42, 5, five says, Why art thou cast down? And, and, and you, can, you can hear David here. He's been in this situation. He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Psalm 56, verse 1 through 4. Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. O God, I will praise uh, I will praise his word. In God, I will put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? David comes back. To the Lord. His mind comes back to thinking about his God, his Savior. Folks, when we're distressed, when you're distressed, when we find ourselves in these situations of I've got the blues, I've got depression, I've got, I'm just down, I don't know what it is, I've got this distressing problem that I, you know what, I, I really can see this is my own making here. This is my own fault. Get your eyes off your problem. Get your eyes off your problems. Get your eyes on the only one greater than all your problems. Get your eyes back on the Lord your God. Amen. That's the answer. That's the first step to this. When we realize I'm not where I need to be, the first step is to get my eyes back where they're supposed to be. And when I get my eyes back on the Lord, that's the first step of what David did to encourage himself. Not David encouraged himself. David encouraged himself in the Lord. That's how we must encourage ourselves. So then David, number two, David remembered the Lord's promises. We go back to 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 15. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods. And listen to this phrasing right here, because Jonathan is going to come and do for David what David now has learned at verse 30 to do for himself. He has learned to strengthen his hand in God. And that's what Jonathan did. He came to encourage uh, David in the Lord. He's come to encourage him. 1 Samuel 23, 15 and 16 right there. And then verse 17, and he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. They, uh, Jonathan doesn't come out, and boy, I tell you, Jonathan gets a bad rap. When you read the things that Jonathan did, Jonathan was a man of God. And he wasn't a boy of God. He was a man of God. He was a man of courage. And I've preached a message in here, uh, I think it's from 1 Samuel 14, about his courage. He was, he was a courageous man. 
And, and Saul treats him like this child, but he loved David and he, he, he understood God's calling on David's life. And right here, he doesn't go and, and just blow smoke with him. He goes and tells him, this is what God's going to do. God told you this. He's anointed you this way and encourages him in the Lord. Folks, don't go to people and lie to them. Don't go to people and tell them things you don't know. Don't go to people and promise them things about themselves spiritually that you don't have word to. But you go to people and you promise them based upon the word of God. You encourage them in the Lord. Strengthen them in the Lord. So Jonathan reminds David of the promises of God, of the call of God, of the will of God. Now Spurgeon wrote on this and he wrote, I'm going to read this paragraph he wrote about as though he were um, as, as though he were David speaking in this situation. He says, now this is Spurgeon, as though he were David. He says, has not the Lord chosen me? Has he not ordained me to be king in Israel? Did he not send his prophet Samuel who poured oil upon my head and said, this is he? Surely the Lord will not change his appointment or suffer his word to fail. I have been separated from my kinfolk hunted by Saul, driven from rock to cave and from cave to wilderness, and I have known no rest. And all because I was ordained to be the king in Saul's place. Surely the Lord will carry out his purpose and will set me on the throne. He has not chosen, ordained, and anointed me in mockery. Folks, when you're distressed, remember the promises that the Lord has made you. Hebrews 13, 5. The Lord's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He never leaves us. You know, and that leaving and forsaking gives the idea of turning, turning his back to and then walking away. God never does that. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. John, uh, James chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. If you're struggling emotionally, this is a great, great verse because it tells us right here, it gives us some answers on how to remember the Lord's promises and how to come back close to him. Verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. All you got to do is move toward him because the fact is he's right there. The moment you, and I'm convinced of this, so I'm walking away from the Lord, I'm doing my own thing. The moment my heart changes, my mind changes, and I turn back to him, I bump into him because he's right there. He's right there. And I, and I bump into it. And when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. That's a promise. But he tells us, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Verse 10, he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. The Lord will lift us up. It's not that he praises us and makes such... He lifts us up. Now I'm not in the gloomy. I'm not in the depression. I'm not de-stressed. Because I'm, I'm leaning on him. I'm going to humble myself to him. And he's going to lift me up. Jeremiah 31.3 The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Now I know that's written to Jeremiah. I know he said that to Jeremiah. But you know what? If you're a child of God, he said it to every one of you. It's the same principle for every one of us. It's the same love that he has for us. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the promises 
Listen, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Remember what he he promised you. Remember what he's done and remember what he's promised. Psalm 139, verse 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the the light are both alike to you. What he says is there's nowhere, there's nowhere I can go that you're not, God. There's nowhere. And in the darkest night, it's, it's like daylight to you. While I can't see a thing, you see everything. Nothing is hidden from you. And he's never Ever does he leave us. Never is he away from us. He's right there with us regardless of what we're going through. And I think about Matthew 28, verse 20. At the very end of that verse, it says, Behold, behold. It says, and lo. You you probably and lo, I am with you always. And lo, it means, behold. Look here. Behold. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you. Even to the end of the age, God can be trusted. And what he has said, we can trust. So we look back at what God has promised us. So we get our eyes back on God. We pay attention to the promises he's made to us. And we encourage ourselves in the promises of God. Not in some made-up thing. We encourage ourselves in the word and what he has given to us for our encouragement. Third thing, David remembered what the Lord had done. He was with me when I defeated the lion and the bear. He thought about it. He's thinking now. He's reflecting on, man, all God's done. I'm in a, I'm in a sticky situation now. And I made this. I'm, in, I'm at fault. But look, God was with me when I defeated that lion and that bear. He, he was there. He, God was with me when, when I decapitated Goliath. God was, I didn't do that. That was God's doings. He was with me. He was with me when I dodged Saul's javelin in the court. He was with me when I ducked into the cave with Saul at Engedi. He was with me. When you're distressed, think back on the times that the Lord has been there for you again and again and again. If we really reflect on all the times God... Look, you can't count them. It it might be 100,000 times already, if not more, that God has intervened in your life. And that's probably a super low number. 100,000 seems like a lot. But I think every, every moment of our life, God is intervening in some way. And, we just, and, and, and those are the ones we don't know about. But you know about a lot of times God's been with you. I think back before my junior year in high school, when we got hit, four of us, we got T-boned, and our car flipped, threw me and the driver out of the car. God was with us. We, all walked, we, we didn't walk away from it, but we all survived it. N- nothing lasting. Got to remember what God's done for us. Amen? He hasn't changed in his love. He hasn't changed in his faithfulness. He hasn't changed in his power. He has not changed. He's still the same. And so let us encourage ourselves in him. Let us strengthen ourselves in him. Now, when David does this, here's what we see. That David was encouraged and he was energized. It's, you come back to God. You've been struggling. You've been down. And it's because you've gotten away from from the Lord. When you come back to the Lord, man, it is it is encouraging. 
It is energizing. We gain strength from that. We're encouraged by that. I think about, yeah, let me, let me I'll give you an example. All right, let me do this one. De- Jonathan, uh, Jonathan comes, comes with this, was it Jonathan or David? Mm. I think it was, was it Jonathan or David dipped his spear in the honey? Jonathan. And his eyes were, his eyes were in light. He was hungry. He comes and he dips the spear. Right. It was, it was Saul's son because he was like, no, nah, you ain't going to kill your son. So he dips the spear into the honey and, and he eats some of the honey who they've been told not to eat. And Jonathan says, mine eyes have been enlightened. So yesterday I was going, I didn't eat breakfast. I don't eat breakfast a lot of days. Kind of bad call sometimes. So I didn't eat breakfast. So we had a service at 11. Gina went and picked me up some lunch afterwards in between. I said, I'll eat in between. And we got really busy with stuff getting ready for the next service. So I didn't eat then. So about 4.30, I finally get home. At 4.30, I'm like dragging. You know, I come in. And so then I eat my lunch at 4.30 in the afternoon. I finally eat my brunch. And uh, it took about 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And my eyes had been enlightened. I, I, I perked back up. I perked back up. I was feeling a lot better. And it's the, it, it, that's a stupid illustration, but, it, but it's, it, it relates to when we get away from the Lord, it's like going without that meal, and we get run down. And now I don't know why I'm tired. I don't know why I'm depressed. I don't know why I'm struggling to get blue. I'm blue, and I don't have any energy. But when we come back to God, it energizes us, and it strengthens us. And see, here's the thing. David's situation hasn't changed one bit. But David's outlook has changed totally. And so let's look at his inquiry, and, uh, and we're going to wrap this up. Um, so David's inquiry, that's number three there, his inquiry. David, David, David got his heart right. He asked the Lord what to do next. Now, uh, he realized his self-sufficiency and the past failures to seek the Lord's will and guidance, so he repents. Folks, you're not, you're not turning to the Lord. You're not calling on the Lord if you're not repenting, if you haven't changed, had a change of mind. David has had a change of mind. It doesn't record uh, this time of brokenness. And I, I'm convinced when David got his eyes off of himself and got his eyes back on God, he had a time with the Lord. He probably had a moment with God. And he, he has come back to the Lord. There is a change of mind. That's repentance, folks. I'm through doing it my way. I'm going to do it God's way. We repent. We turn back to him. And David does that here, and he comes back to the Lord. So he is inquiring then of the Lord. And again, we read this in verse 7, but look at that. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover them. David seeks God's instruction. What do I do? Should I pursue them? And God tells him exactly what, what, what to do, and he tells him exactly what's going to happen. So as David begins to move forward, he can now move forward in confidence, and he's in right fellowship with God. I'm doing what God has told me to do, and he has already told me what he's going to do. He can walk in confidence with that. And so, uh, and so uh, uh, he'll recover all. So David, David expected to do his part in this. Is this what he's asking God? Should I pursue them or not? Lord, because uh, his first reaction in his own wisdom, I'm going to go fight and I'm going to go get them back. Is that what, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. No, he stops. He waits. Lord, what do I do? 
Do I, do I go and pursue them here? And God said, yes, you do. And say, so David is not, he, he expects that he's got to do something in this. He didn't just expect God to take away the problems and fix his mess up. That's what we do a lot of times. We get in a mess and we want God to fix it. Well, Lord, I came back and I, I confessed it to you and, and I repented of my sin. Lord, can you fix the problem? Can you take care of that, God? Yeah, I know I shouldn't have done that. And I, it would be really embarrassing, Lord, for somebody to find, Lord, can you just take that away? That's not what David expected. See, he, he, that, that's the attitude we have a lot of times. Um, you know, we, we would want God just to bring the families back and to bring all my stuff back, and I'll just sit here and wait. No, we sometimes we got to work through it. And he sought the Lord. The Lord told him to go. So David went. He and 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Besor, uh, where those where those stayed who who were left behind, David experienced much difficulty. Okay, sometimes it's going to get harder. They get to the river, they got across the river, they got six hundred people with them. They end up leaving two hundred. We know that the two hundred were too tired to carry on, but they had a job too. They were there watching the baggage, all of their stuff. They watched what they had while the other four hundred went on and fought, and that that's what they're going to do. And sometimes things just get harder. They've been on the move for days. They're hungry. They're tired. All this stuff emotionally. They come to the river. They got to get across the river. They still got to pursue these people, and they don't even know who took their family. They don't know where they went, and they're they're out there. I'm going and I'm trusting God at this point to provide because God said we're going to recover all. So he's trusting now, trusting God to take care of this situation. And he's just moving forward in obedience to what God has said to do. But David pursued, he and 400 men for 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the, the, the brook before. Uh, so God, God helps David find the Amalekites. And I, I'm, I'm going to just paraphrase real quick the rest of that. Verse 13, as they're coming along, they find this Egyptian man. And as you read on, you understand he must have been almost unconscious. I don't imagine he could even talk because it says they fed him a piece of, uh, a, piece of a cake of figs. They gave him two clusters of raisins. Uh, they gave him water to drink. Uh, they gave him bread. So he's famished. And we find out that he hasn't eaten or drank anything for three days. This man's close to death. He's close to death. They feed him. Now he's re-energized in verse 13. And David said to him, to, 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 who do you belong and where, where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell ill. So David still doesn't know who he is, where he's from, but he's hoping maybe he knows something. And he made an, and the man continues, we made an invasion of the southern areas of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern areas of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David knows, he knows, this guy was with them. He was with them. He was there. He may know where they've gone. And David said to him, can you take me down to this troop? So he said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me. Because he knew David may kill me. I was involved with that at Ziklag. I'm a slave, but I was involved with that. So he doesn't want David to kill him, nor does he want to be delivered back into the hands of his master. So he asked David, if you'll promise you won't kill me and you ain't going to turn me back over to them, basically let me stay with you guys, uh, then I'll take you down to the troops. So they do. They go back, they find them, and in verse 18, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. God blessed David when he turned back to him. He began to set things right in their life, and they brought all that stuff back, all of David's spoil. They got all their family back. They retrieved them all and, and, and much more. 
So as, so as I wrap this up here, David made decisions in his own wisdom. He didn't consult with the Lord. He didn't seek the Lord. He didn't ask God. He walked outside of the will of God. And uh, again, it wasn't big sins, but it was sin nonetheless. He was walking in sin. He was still trying to do the right things, but he was, but he was you know, he, he's fighting the enemies of Israel and doing those things. He's trying to do the right things, but he was still walking in disobedience. He was walking away from God. He was doing what David wanted to do, not what God wanted to do. Maybe this morning you're walking outside of God's will. Maybe, maybe you've made some decisions without the Lord's leading or without seeking His will or without following His direction or without walking in obedience to the will that He has revealed to you. Maybe as a result, you've lost your testimony. Maybe you've lost your joy. Maybe you've been wondering, why am I down? Why am I depressed? Why am I distressed? Why am I going through these problems? What is this? Maybe it's because there's some sin in your life. You've lost that joy. You've lost your testimony. Maybe you've lost your heart for the things of God. His word, His work, His house. His people. My question is, will we wait on the Lord to allow something in our lives that snaps us back into reality? Or will we we deal with it right now? Because if that's that's what's going on in our life, and, and it could be a little thing, but folks, even a little thing, even a little disobedience is disobedience. It doesn't have to be some great disobedience to be, wow, God's mad at that. Even a little disobedience is not obedience. Will you deal with it today? Whatever God's doing in your life, remember the Lord, remember His promises, remember what He's done for you in the past, and return to Him this morning. Pastor Aaron, if you'll come, you and your team. Here in just a moment, Pastor Aaron's going to lead us uh, in a song. It's a song we, we you know, we, we, Aaron and I have different terminology so for some things, so I end up with, I'm, I've got multiple words in my vocabulary now, so we have the Family Life Center over there, and the Fellowship Hall, and the Activities Building, but what we're about to do is we're, we're going to have an invitation. Some of you would understand what that is. You're, we're inviting you to come here to the altar. This is not stairs. Right now, during this part of the service, this is an altar. It's a place to come and talk to God. So there's an invitation. There's a response time. We're going to play a song. There's a time to respond to maybe what God's doing in your life this morning. And, and as I look across, we have a great crowd this morning. And here's what I know as I look out over this crowd. There are folks in here who are struggling with depression, folks in here who've been struggling with the blues, folks in here who are walking in, 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 in probably some pretty, you might say, man, I'm, in, I'm walking in some pretty good sin. And you may be walking in some very minor sin just because you've gotten outside of what God would have you to do. You're outside His revealed will for your life. And there's sin in your life. There are some of you that are walking really close to God 
There may still be something there. There are some of us that are walking a long way. And, and there, there's some in here who may not be walking with God at all. You've never, never come to a place where you've trusted Christ for salvation. You've truly put your faith in Him and Him alone. Folks, there is no salvation in anything else. You can't work your way there. We, we're sinners separated from God. And Jesus Christ came, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He, he, he went to the cross of Calvary. He bore our sin and our shame and, and, and our, our penalty. He took our death for us. And he died and was buried. And three days later, Jesus Christ rose again from the dead, proving that he was God, that he could do what he said he would do, and that is give life to us if we will put our faith in him. And that faith is just trusting him, not trusting in anything else. It's trusting in him and receiving that gift that he offers. This morning, you may be sitting here and go, Pastor, I've never done that. I've never truly been born again. I've prayed a prayer. I've joined a church. I've even been baptized, but I've never truly been born again. Today would be a great day for you to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And today would be a great day for whatever is going on in your life that you need to confess as you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Only you, you and God know what's going on in your life. And so I encourage you as we begin this invitation, I encourage you, forget about anybody that's sitting around you. And don't go, well, I'd love to go pray at the altar, but so-and-so might see me, or other people are going to see me and think, boy, I've got this big sin in my life. Who cares what anybody around you thinks? There's one person you need to be concerned with what he thinks, and that's God Almighty. This morning, whatever God's doing in your heart, I pray you'll be obedient to respond to that. If that's a time at the altar, if you need somebody to pray with you, we'll, we'll pray with you. Whatever you need this morning, please respond to what God's doing in your life. Father, I pray you'll bless now in this time of invitation. Lord, I, I, I know as I preach this, I preach to me. Because I've had those times in my life where, where I'm not in your word the way I should be. Or, or I'm not spending time in prayer the way I should. Or I'm walking in my own wisdom. I've just gotten away from you, Lord. And I feel it. I feel it in my spirit. And my, the spirit is grieved within me. And I struggle then with being down emotionally. Being depressed. Being discouraged. Lord, I struggle with these things. Lord, when I come back to you. You strengthen me. You encourage me. You lift me up. Father, I pray this morning for anyone in this house that's struggling this morning with any of these issues, that today would be a day of getting that right with you, coming back to you, to quit following our own wisdom and to seek you in every area of our life and to be obedient to what you've told us to do. Father, if there's one that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray today will be the day. They'll step out, come down here, and let me, let me introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Father, bless now in this invitation, and we'll praise you for what you do. In Christ's name we pray. If you'll stand.